Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Hi, hi, hello. How you going, bro? Yeah, not too bad, mate. It's the way. How you feeling with uh, with the COVID? Uh, we're getting better, mate. Just mostly minor, say, cold symptoms now. Uh, outside of that, except for spreading it to my family, <laughs> we're going pretty good. So Monday came around. We touched on basically all the, the top tier center wings. Um, a lot of feedback around Garrick. I was surprised as to how popular he was. A lot of the listeners out there were, were keen on Garrick and, and they're happy now that he's a pod, which is, I guess it's always good if you're looking at a, at a premium and, and they're going to go under the radar. But today, mate, we're here to talk about value. We're here to talk about the guys that will be in a staple of a lot of sides that are going to be able to free up some cash and a few sneaky pods. And there is one popular preseason cheapy that you are absolutely not on board with. We'll touch on him probably middle of the episode, but today we've got, geez, 20, 25 names, uh, similar to similar to Monday's episode, but we'll kick things off with probably your favourite preseason Smokey, I would say. I'm not too sure if you love him from a supercoach standpoint, if you love him from uh, just a rooster standpoint, and that is Paul Momorowski uh, coming in at 486k. Look, on the surface of things, not a whole lot to be excited about by Paul Momorowski. Um, never been an overly fantastic supercoach gun, but it just depends on where he lands. If he lands at the right wing spot, which is absolute gold for Supercoach uh, at the Roosters, it's going to help that average go up at least five, ten points. And then if he if he does get the goal kicking, it's going to make him uh, an absolute gem. Yeah, I think it all comes down to him being back with the Roosters. We know he's a talented player. He's got a premiership now. He's a good goal kicker. Like he's a very good goal kicker, and I. I know initially I thought Sam Walker would kick, but thinking about it, Momborowski's probably the better option, uh, less pressure on the young kid. If he does goal kick, you'd have to think that's probably worth a 10-point boost uh, being in a really good rooster side. You know, many many people are tipping them to win the premiership this year. Most people have them in the top two, uh, at worst, top four. So that should mean a lot of points. Um, he typically averages around 55 where he's been, uh, which puts him in okay areas. He reminds me a lot of like a Stephen Crichton type. If you pick him at the right time and he, and he goes on a run, it could be a really handy addition. But like the big benefit for him is that he is, he is a sharpshooter. He's going to be goal kicking for one of the best teams in the competition. 28 base uh, is his average, which is pretty good for a center. It's not elite, uh, but it's up there. Uh, he's attacking numbers at Penrith with 29, which is good areas. Um, there and there alone, you, that's where you get your, say, 50 to 55 average that he's been carrying. You had goal kicking on top of that. Suddenly you're looking at, say, a, maybe a 60 average. Then you add, you know, just in general, an increase in, in tries or even assists if he gets the balls out to, say, Tupu. And you're looking at a bloke that could average 65 plus on the season. And he's priced at 486k, which is, you know, a steal if he ends up going onto those areas. Yeah, when it comes to these guys, um, I wouldn't look at past sort of figures because there's so much changing with Momorowski and what he's going to do for the Roosters. By the sounds of it, you have him lined up at left centre. Like, I don't, I don't want to go into the Roosters back line too much because we will when we touch on on the Roosters as a team. Um, but do you have him at left centre compared to right wing? Yeah, he'll play left centre in my opinion. I don't think he'll play on right wing. I think they've got a multitude of options uh, at the Roosters to, to play on the other side. So I think he'll slot into his preferred position, which is on the left side in the centre. Just on on that right wing, we haven't um, written him down in, in the run sheet today, but obviously it'll probably be, be between Sawali and Kevin Naguama. If Naguama does start, 
look, he's nowhere near Beemos's level, but the right wing is is prime real estate for any uh, any footy player, especially when it comes to super coach. Do you think um, come teamless Tuesday, if if Naguama is named uh, on the wing spot, that that he will be mass owned, and 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 is oh, he is yeah, he is he course. worth getting in? Yeah, three hundred k on the right wing, which is you know proven to be gold. For the Roosters, you'd take that. Whoever whoever gets that wing spot for me will probably be in my side, whether it's Manu, which probably is unlikely, but I'd really like to see happen. Or if it's Sawali, um, or if it's Naguama. I think Naguama's a depth signing. Um, I don't expect him to be in the starting 17, but stranger things have happened. I guess the good thing is that one of um, one of Sawali or Naguama will start, which makes life pretty easy for us. We can just pick whoever gets named. Um, mate, mate, you and Aiken, what a what a revelation he was at the back end of last year. Had one game hampered by injury, which I think brings his average down to about 68. But if you take out the injury-affected game, uh, I think he averaged close to 80, 81 points a game or something like that. Uh, would have had a fantastic base because he's playing in the back row. Um, did an interview probably two weeks ago and said it's looking like he's going to start in the back row. Non-negotiable for me. Just a question of whether we pick him at 2RF or we pick him at centre wing. I'm leaning towards picking him at 2RF just because of how shallow that position is on the surface, whereas center wing, there's there's plenty of value there. Yeah, so the really good thing is that Targo, who will probably finish the show on today, has the jewel. Um, so he's a cheapie. You play him in your centers. Um, I'll go through his numbers later. It allows you the option of playing guys like Aitken or even, say, a Jack Bird that we spoke about you know, a few days ago to, to play in your second row. The numbers you said, so I'll go through quickly. I'll go through his numbers. He's pure bait, like his numbers for the season. And that was 37 base, 20 attack and 75 minutes. So on the surface, they're okay numbers. They're not too bad. But in the five games that he actually started in the second row, 80.8 average, 52 points in base, three tries in five games, which shows that he can certainly, you know, be a try scoring back rower. Those numbers are absolutely elite. That would put him elite in the second row category if you did pick him as a forward. So for me, he's a non-negotiable, as you said. You've got to pick him. If he's starting on that, you know, edge back row position, it's just an absolute steal. When your cows move on, you can then have the options that you can cash them out at either second row or centre using the dual it's it's white gold. You have to get on it, in my opinion. I think he's very similar to Josh Curran when we said that we're cashing out on Curran in round 10. I think Aiken's very similar. When Tohu comes back, I'm not confident, and I expect Aiken to be around 600k come round 10. So it's a lot of money to have for for some unknowns. At centre, he's garbage. At 2RF, he's elite. Uh, cash out when Tohu's back. You mentioned a five-game sample size. It was a six-game, but we've taken out the, the injury game, which I think he had maybe 12 or 13 points in just as many minutes. So basically yeah, you take which shows that his PPM's on point on with, with the 80 that he was scoring anyway. So um, I did take that 12 out. You know, I think it's only fair if, you know, he was, he was going at one PPM, he got injured. We should look at the numbers as a real five games is a fair enough sample size. And you mentioned the three tries in five games and people might uh, be worried about that, him being too attack reliant, because obviously Three tries in five games for a back row is, is a very, very good strike rate. But it's that 52 points in sheer base. That's not base power. That's that's just sheer base. So, uh, yeah, priced at an average of 55.4. He's going to make that up just in base when it comes to the back row. Then you've got all the, the, the evade stats and the try scoring stats on top of that. The question the question for you guys is not if you pick Ewan Aiken, it's where you pick him. Uh, it's whether you take the, the punt on him in, in the 2RF. Uh, if you want some stability there, or if you want to load up with cheapies, because there's a plethora of guys here we'll talk about today, and you put him in the 2RF. So, not a question of, of if you take him, it's a question of where. Uh, mate, Ken Mamalo, he, uh, a former Warriors teammate of you and Aikens, 478k. Look, as someone that owned him in draft, he was very reliant on tries. I don't really... Un- as a Tigers fan, it's it's sort of here or there, whatever. Um, I think we have a lot of back depth, but Mamalo sort of had uh, issues, obviously mental health issues when it came come to the lockdown and whatever. So left for the Tigers. I didn't really see a whole lot from the eye test. I'm pretty sure stats suggest that he didn't overly improve much at West's either. No, his numbers actually declined a little bit. Um, not enough to 
to say that they changed drastically. They're roughly the same, but a slight dip. Um, his base is okay of 28, um, but he's fallen from grace from, you know, the super coach gun that he was a few seasons ago. I know I owned him that season and I loved owning him. Maybe he can get back to that form. You know, Wests have an okay draw, but I don't think Wests uh, in general are a talented enough side to get him into those areas. So he's not someone that I'm looking at at all. He hasn't even crossed my mind and the numbers just confirmed that. I got a few things wrong last year, got a few things right, probably more wrong than what I did right, but I was pretty on the money when it comes to David Nofaluma. Um Came into last year sky-high price, and yeah, I just told everyone to stay away. He lost Benji Marshall, who was a, a huge asset to him um, from 2020, and then, yeah, you watch his numbers fall off a cliff, 467k. He was top five in hit-ups overall for the season, but... Yeah, he is not the player that he once was 2020, I think the, the, the season he had that was. In that season, he was basically in everything for the Tigers. I think he scored maybe like 35, 40% of our total tries. Uh, he was a tackle-busting machine, hit-up machine. But yeah, when you lose Benji Marshall and get replaced with someone like Adam Dewey, who, no disrespect to Adam Dewey, he's, just, he's not the ball player that Benji Marshall is. Yeah, your numbers are going to decline, and I don't really see a whole lot picking up from um, for Nofaluma at 467k. The fact that they have brought in Kamamalo probably takes a few touches away from him as well. There has been a little bit of hype for, for Nofaluma because of how poor he was last year. He's starting the season at less than 470k, but I just I can't go near it. His base dropped off. His attack dropped off significantly. Um, he'll always get you a tackle bust or two, but just not enough to warrant the 467k when there's guys like Aitken and Momorowski, even someone like a Herbie Farmworth who's cheaper that I'd prefer to take a punt on. Yeah, I, I do agree with all that. His base dropped five, and his base actually was the thing that really surprised me last year. You know, 26 for a guy like Nofaluma. You know, base was the thing that was the thing that drew you to him that you knew that he was always going to have runs and you know he's always going to have the tackle busts and whatnot and he still had those evade stats but the other numbers fell for cliff his try scoring wasn't there there wasn't really many assists um a poorish base for someone of his caliber i can see that he could be a bounce back like candidate so i don't i don't hate it but i do think that there's higher upside players uh all around him actually um if you want to raise you know, the next person that we're going to talk about, I would take him before I'd take Nofaluma this season. Just to give you an idea of how poor Nofa's base was last year, we think of him as a base stat beast, and it was 26. Uh, Joseph Sawali, who, rookie season, small, you know, inexperienced, his base was 25. Much smaller sample size, obviously, but it was one point difference. So, surprising on the surface that Nofa's base uh, did drop off if it wasn't for those evading stats, so your tackle bus and your offloads and whatever... Uh, could have been a whole lot worse for Nofaluma. Uh, Bruce, more optimistic? I am not. I'm also not optimistic about Tyron Peachy. Uh, priced at a 50, 53 average, 31 base, 25 attack in about 60 minutes. Uh, sorry, about 50 minutes a game. So decent PPM of about one. Priced at 463k. The question is though, like, what are his minutes going to look like at the Tigers? Because you've got Stefano, you've got James Tamo, you've got Alex Twal, you've got Joe Offerhand Gowie. Uh, you've also got Thomas McKayley, all these guys that can rotate through the middle. Is Peachy going to get a start at lock? Is he going to come off the bench? Who knows what Mike McGuire is going to do? For me, there's just too many question marks around Peachy at 463k. I understand that he's tempting based off last season's form. He can add an attack in there. I know we've got a few forced dropouts. He loves to take the line on, go himself. Uh, Bruce got away from the mic, so I'm going to have to stall for a bit. Um, but basically, okay. <laughs> basically, I'm not keen on PG whatsoever. I, f- I just worry he comes off the bench, plays 40 minutes a game and averages 42. It's all devil's advocate for me. So if he starts 13 and he plays 55, 60 minutes at 1 ppm, then I can see value there because he's got the attacking upside and they're probably going to need someone to create for them whilst Dewey is out. So I don't hate the move. Uh, I'd take Peachy if named at 13 before I'd take Nofaluma. I just think that the PPM is solid and it's been solid for many a year. The problem with Peachy is always the inconsistent minutes. Does he start 13? Does he come off the bench? Does he play 40 minutes? He's too versatile for his own good. When, yeah, it's, you know, he... The thing that is great about him is the thing that kills him at the same time. It's the Connor Watson syndrome. Can, 
it is a little bit the Connor Watson syndrome, absolutely. But have the Tigers brought him down there for a reason that is beyond what his role was at the Titans? Because otherwise, for me, why why leave the Titans? Like, obviously, if they weren't offering a contract or what whatnot, then that's a different story. But if you're going to move, move for an upgrade, don't move for the same position at a worse club. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just... I just worry about what his output's going to be. If he was 380k, I'd probably look at him. But the fact that it's at 460 and I can just do more with the money that's saved, um, I would avoid. Mate, Bradman Best last year was one of my best. And then next week was one of my worst calls of all time. Uh, I think I told everyone to buy him. He went on to score 103 or something like that. And then the very next week was when he got injured and scored about six. So roller coasters of emotions when it comes to Bradman Best. The kid's a freak. No two ways about that but he does not stay in the park long enough. Uh, that's the issue with Bradman Best. We can see that with a 52 average, 32 base, 22 attack, um, really decent price. He's a, yeah, a phenomenal try scorer, a good tackle buster, but he just cannot stay in the park. Well, at his best, he's, he's clearly a 60-plus average player, and we saw that. We saw that in his debut season. He was Everyone owned him, um, and is if that- they didn't, they were paying big money to get him is that a case, um, is, is that a case of him being a star or is that a case of Callum Ponga having that breakout season where he averaged 82 so Ponga um, we'll touch on fullbacks on Friday but Ponga the last couple of years has gone like 62 62 82 65 or something like that so the outlier season for Ponga was the I'm pretty sure the the breakout season for best so is that a case of best uh, super coach potential, or is that a case of Ponga just being uh, on a different level that year? For me, it's a case of last season was as bad as you're probably going to see from best. So that that 50 to 52 range, that's what he's going to get if he doesn't have any attacking upside. And last year there was bugger all tries. I think he scored one or two tries for the entire season. And like, he's a tackle busting machine. Um, so, Surely he scores more than two tries if he stays on the park. Like, but I will ca- I will caveat that, mate. That's I will the problem. Yeah, I will, I will caveat that because Kalen Ponga is a left side merchant. He's a machine on the left. You got Dan Gagai coming in. Do you really think Dan Gagai is going to start shifting sides? I don't think so. I think Bess is the one that's going to have to move to the right. And then do they just forget about him? You know, like similar to Tony Staggs last year, just like not giving him ball. So do you think that Gagai is just going to take all the touches away from Best and Best could plummet even further? I don't think he'll plummet further. If he, if he gets cut out of the game, I think he'll insert himself into the game with hit-ups and tackle busts and and more more base. And his base is fantastic. Like 32 base from the centre is, is really good areas. Um, his attack was really poor for someone of his standards. I don't think it can get much worse. So I don't mind the pick, but I don't rate the Knights as a whole this season. No. Uh, they've got, we discussed this the other day. They've, they've been slaughtered in this, you know, off season. I think they're really going to struggle, but if people wanted to pick best based on the fact that he's coming off a bit of a stinker by his, you know, standards, maybe he just had second season syndrome. I just want to see how, I just want to see how the Knights use him on the right because I really don't think Gagai is shifting spots. I think Bess is the one that's going to have to move. He's, he's not an option I'm even looking at for round one. I want to see how the Knights go. I want to see how Bess does on a different side. In saying that, though, Herbie Farnworth, I am really, really, really keen on. Uh, I never thought I'd say that, but a 32 base, 21 attack, uh, 500, sorry, 450k, there is a lot of potential when it comes to Herbie Farnsworth. Um, I know that he, I think he shifted sides last season and then um, had a bit of an uptick in production, if I have, have memory correct. I know you've got the stats on it exactly, but I'm actually, yeah, really keen yes. on, on Herbie Farnsworth. So his numbers increased when he moved from the three to the four. So when he changed sides after Pangai left, his average ticked up to 58 over that period and his attacking numbers increased, which means that it's probably the Broncos' preferred side of attack. Uh, he's only at a 51 average. So I think based on those numbers and based on the fact he's a young kid who's probably only going to get better, I think the Broncos as a whole will get better. I like the Farnworth pick. To be honest with you, I'd potentially take Farnworth over Stags, And I know that's probably a bit of a hot take, but I really rate Farnworth if he lines up in the number four. The problem is that's probably where Stags is going to line up, which means he's going to revert to the three where his stats were 
nowhere near as good. His stats were probably more around a 47 um, average and he's priced at a 51. So it really depends where they slot Stags and where they slot Farnworth. It was, it was also goal kicking for parts of last year as well. So you've got to keep that in mind. Obviously, won't be goal kicking with Adam Reynolds in the side. So Heavy Farnworth is one I'm no. really keen on, but it's a, it's a keen on come seven o'clock on Tuesday before round one, because I want to see where he's named. I want to see where Stags is named, as you said. Um, but he's definitely one I got my eye on. One to watch for the trials. Uh, keep an eye on Herbie Farmworth, see how he does, because there is value there uh, if he can put up the scores that he was putting up towards the back end of last season. So probably six points of value there if he gets the right spot. But like you said, I find it hard to see them moving Stags. Uh, now he's back unless they do something crazy like play Stags at six, but... I think that's becoming less and less of an option as the time goes on. Mate, Tyrell Sloan, I'll let you lead this one off because he was originally in your draft, like preseason draft. I think then you realised how poor the Dragons' draw was and he was also really, really, really reliant on try-scoring opportunities. He was one of these guys who I black-booked at the start of last season and was hoping he'd get some games and he did and unfortunately he scored too well and now he's priced at 447k. Probably a bit too pricey for the output that he's going to give in a really poor dragon side, being so reliant on tries. Yeah, if, if he wasn't um, removed from my side after I saw the draw, he would have been removed after I did the stats. So his numbers were really good for last year. Don't get me wrong in terms of he averaged 63.8 across four games, which is fantastic. But he's so heavily reliant on attacking stats. And he pretty much got a ton of those in every game that he played. If you take out all of the tries that he scored last season, his base numbers and his stat lines were awful. So he had a 22 base, uh, which in the fullback slots, not fantastic, but his attacking numbers at 45 per season, sorry, 45 per game are well and beyond anybody, um, you know, else in the center position. So he's just a, a hard avoid for me. You know, if, if the dragons get through the early season and then he drops in price, maybe, Maybe then you could take a take a smoky on him, but I wouldn't do it to start the season because I think we've seen the best of him and I can't see too much rise happening. I think a fall will happen before any rises happen this season. 62 average, 23 base, 41 attack, 73 minutes, uh, went 60, 60, 50% of the time. Severely underpriced, 433k, Tony Staggs back, hopefully injury-free, very popular when it comes to this early on. Uh, people are just hoping that Adam Reynolds can give him early ball because he can be so destructive. Uh, I'm I'm all aboard the Tony Staggs train. He is someone similar to Best. He needs to stay on the park. The problem is the injury history and how much that piles up, how they're going to use him coming back. But he is their best player in the back line that isn't Adam Reynolds. So you'd think a lot of the, the a lot of the attack would be centered around those two. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I've actually gone cold on Katoni Staggs, believe it or not. Uh, he was always in my my sides. And then I guess I always, I completely forgot, I guess, about the goal kicking piece. And he's not going to kick goals this year with Adam Reynolds, you know, absolute gun goal kicker. I looked through the numbers. He, he didn't kick last season. So the numbers that he did put up were pretty good, but they were really inflated by like try reliance. You know, if he doesn't get those tries then suddenly the stats aren't as positive. You're looking at, say, scores in the 40s. Now, he does get them quite regularly. Uh, His evade is really good. So there's a lot of tackle busts. There's a lot of offloads, which increase his floor. So if you have, say, a 40 to 45 floor for a center, that's great. I'm just not sure he's going to have the level of upside that I kind of thought that he was. He's not a bad pick by any means. I just think that there might be some cheaper guys this season that could make me more money and get me to some other guys that I want. I think, so, I think I think he's 10 points undervalued uh, personally. I agree on that. I do think he's 10 points undervalued. Just because he, he played four games last year, played the Sharks in round 16, scored 64 points with a 55 base power. Uh, in round 18, he played the Tigers, scored 50 with a 29 base power. Round 19, played the Warriors, scored 43 points with a 43 base power. And round 20, scored 90 points against the Cowboys with a 55 base power. I understand that four games isn't a huge sample size, but cast back to 2020, he had 59 points a game, 44 base power, 0.8 PPM. The 60-60 was worrying with only 29%. 
So basically, there is yeah. an inconsistency there if you take the tries out. And yeah, but he's a bit depends but, where you, the Broncos are. You can't just you can't just say that we're taking the tries out because that's Katoni Staggs. It's the same thing with Bradman Best. You can't just say, oh, well, what if we take the tries out? But like that's a huge part of his game. Um, I think at his worst, he averages 58, 59 with Adam Reynolds on the side. That could creep up around 64, 65. And he's probably a guy that I won't have to trade out barring injury uh, until later on in the season when cash is generated. He, yeah, he's a star. We, we know that. Uh, I remember he just, he has some game-breaking moments and, and I'm really excited to see what Kevy Walters does with the combination of Stags and Reynolds. I'm, I understand what you're saying, how there's other guys here that could probably produce more. Paul Momorowski's one of them, Ewan Aitken as well. Ewan Aitken's a standout. Uh, another Broncos team out of his, Selwyn Cobo. Suwali slash Naguama. I understand that these guys uh, are cheaper that could outperform him. But my goal this year is to try and save as many trades as I can because we were simply burnt last year. I feel like Stags really can't let you down. Um, he might rise to 570, 580k, and then you can move him on to someone like a Toto if he starts a little bit slow and, and falls down to around that 700k range. So, yeah, uh, I'm not too not too cold on Stags. I know you are. Uh, I'm assuming the, the simple reason is because you think there's better value elsewhere. It's all to- yeah. I'm not. I don't begrudge anyone that picks Stags. I understand it. It's just. With the way I've been setting my sides, I just don't like the price. I'd much rather pay three fifty or three twenty for some of the other guys. And that, that'll be a lot my under, point say three hundred. Yeah, that'll I, be my I can just point. really use that money, and I think I can get equal output for a little bit cheaper. And use like it's really hard if you want a Cleary or you want a high end guy. You got to squeeze cash where you can, and I just think that's a good area. Like an awkward four twenty four thirty price. If you can slash one hundred and twenty off that. And you can do that in a few places. That's the difference between having a Cleary, which I think will be harder to get, than you know having a Stags and maybe using Stags to get to a Toto. That'll be the reason why I don't start with Stags. Is, is it'll be depending on what the two RFs look like come round one, because right now there's not a whole lot there when it comes to value and what I do with Cleary. At the moment, I've got Stags and I'm not going Cleary, but I'll probably get cold feet and chicken out. And, uh, yeah, and move towards Cleary. Uh, it just depends, though, on, on, I guess, the mood that I wake up in Thursday round one. Uh, I've got a lot of questions, Reese, Stephen Crichton. You and I have differing opinions here. You've got him five or six points undervalued, which is probably true. I think at his best, he's maybe a 55-point guy. He's a fantastic footballer, but just doesn't translate to Supercoach, unfortunately. If the Panthers are going on a tear and they're using the left side a lot, then there's upside there. We saw that two or three seasons ago. I can't remember what it was. I owned him. I loved owning him. I just think they, the way that they play, Cleary, Luai, they they seem to cut out a little bit. And I just don't think Crichton is Burton. So I think he'll go himself a lot and not actually get the try. Or they'll cut him out and they'll go to Toto. So I just think, Whilst he is five or six points undervalued, I, th- I think he's probably a 55 average guy. I don't see a massive upside there because I just don't see him getting the try counts that he needs to push into, say, the 60 to 65 areas. He's a solid pick. I think you'll have a great amount of consistency. You know, base is 28, which is fairly solid. His attack's 24, so that gives you, say, a roughly a 45 to 50 type of base and power floor, which is good, but I don't think he'll have the consistencies of tries to, to go into massive areas. And I think for the price, you're better off paying the one grand more and getting Stags, for example, who has much more attacking upside than I would in Crichton. And I'd pay 14K less for Hammer, who we're going to talk about next, before I'd pick Crichton. The scary thing is, I remember maybe in 2020, 2020, yeah, he had that phenomenal breakout season. I think he scored like 20 tries. And the bloke still averaged 55. I mean, like... I don't really see his try scoring ceiling getting better than that. So, therefore, I don't really see the the average getting better than that. Um, yeah, I'm not keen on Crichton at all. And I was keen on Hamiso. I'm less keen now, even though he is playing fullback. The Cowboys suck. You've, you've got him... 
you've got him five or ten points under price. So what you're saying that he's going to average up around sixty? I, I don't, I don't see that. Yeah, not not really sixty. Um, well, he's averaged forty eight. He, he's averaged forty eight, and you've got five or ten points undervalued. So you've got him penned between fifty six and fifty eight points, which I just don't see. Even if he's playing fullback, the Cowboys suck, and and they just cannot yeah, put up points. The Cowboys might suck, but he as a player doesn't suck, and he's got a lot of attacking upside. So his base is 21. relatively poor. Twenty one um, is not great. His attack twenty nine. That's not too bad. Um, his numbers for attack really did increase when he when he played in the fullback slot. So I don't hate it because even though the Cowboys might suck on paper, they have a very good draw. They have probably the best draw of anyone to yeah, start the season. If you can't, and they don't need to win score, those games, mate. If you can't score points, like there's no, you could play. You could play. They anyone. might not be able to score enough points to win games, but it doesn't mean that they can't score points and. That's all he needs. He just needs them to score 12 to 18 points and be involved in one or two of them. And then suddenly he's not averaging 45. He's averaging 55 or 60 because I believe he'll have involvement. Hamiso's a trap. I'm calling it now. Don't go there. <laughs> I'm not going there, but it would not surprise me if, you know, after 10 rounds, he was averaging in the 55 to 60 areas. He's He's got speed. All right. He's got talent. He was, he was showing a bit at the end of give last me, season. Give me an over-under come round 10. Give me... Uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, give me a mark. 55? Yeah, I'll take unders on that all day long. <laughs> give me... All right. Uh, give me a charity. A charity? Yeah. Uh, I'll come back to you. All right. Whatever charity you pick, if Hamiso averages over 55 at the end of round 10, I'll donate 250 bucks. Um, it's, not, it's not happening. All right. Uh... Now we got that Amiso rant out of the way, mate. I was expecting you to come in and flame some preseason, uh, some preseason popular players, and I've just absolutely shit on Hamiso. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I might be about to. Let's. Oh yeah, we've got your man coming up very soon. Um, let's move on to Jason Saab. Ugh. I mean, he was great last year when he was two hundred k. Was he? At, at 200k, he was phenomenal. Now he's 414k and zero chance. Um, at, uh, yeah. I think for the first eight, eight rounds of the season, he was the most hated man in Supercoach, yeah, scoring well, just, five to 11 everywhere. Actually, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Saab's base. The, the battle of Coates. The, so the, the battle of Staines and Coates. And I've noticed that you haven't even, inclu- you haven't even included Staines on this list today. We've discussed. Nearly- no, yes, I have. The next player we're talking about is Charlie Staines 2.0. <laughs> we have listed nearly 50 center wings and Charlie Staines has not made the cut. So I don't see how Jason Saab can make the cut either. <laughs> Well, you know, some people are high on him. I've seen him in... I haven't seen Charlie Staines in one team, to be honest with you. The great man, Charlie Staines. But I have seen Jason Saab in a few, say, a few sides. So I have I've put him in. Great. He averaged 47.3 last year. And if you want to break it down, he either got 10 or 100. Um, his base is 18. Piss poor. His attack is 31. Uh, 29% of the time, he went 60-plus. Uh, basically, he is the epitome of rocks and diamonds. But unlike Ruben Garrick, he doesn't kick goals. So if he doesn't score a hat trick, he's not going to get you many points. Also, I don't have it up because I posted. Hard avoid. I, I, I posted. I posted it nearly nearly four months ago. Um, so it's going to be very very hard for me to scroll back to my Instagram as quickly as I can to find the the particular stat. Um, but sta- Saab without Turbo. Uh, drops off a cliff. If you can't tell, I'm stalling for time. Um, I think from memory, here it is. So from memory, he averaged 63 points a game with Turbo in the side, without Turbo. So yeah, average with Turbo, 65.6 in 10 games at the time I made that post. Without Turbo, averaged 19.8 in six games. So to go from 66 points a game to less than 20 because of one man 
is the exact reason why I'm not keen on Ruben Garrick, and it's the exact reason I am not keen on Jason Saab whatsoever. A base of 18 is the worst um, the worst in this list that we've got, tied with the next person on the list who... Uh, mate, I'm just going to let you tee it up and, uh, and try and convince the peoples. So I did say... Uh, on Twitter that I was going to absolutely belt someone on this podcast. And that person is Xavier Coates. He is a um, preseason lover boy. Everyone thinks that uh, because he's going to Melbourne, he's going to be some super coach stud. I completely disagree. I think he's going to be Charlie Staines of this season. I think he's a massive trap. Playing for Melbourne is fantastic, but Suliasi Vinavalu, he played for Melbourne and he played on the exact same wing and he had the exact same base numbers and he averaged 47. And that 47 is over the course of many seasons. Xavier Coach is, uh, Coates is priced at a 41 average. So if he were to average 47, He's only going to go up a little bit of cash. He's going to be incredibly frustrating because he's either going to be scoring you 15 points or he's going to score you, say, 70 points. He's going to need two or three tries, in my opinion, to go in in the 90-plus range. Looking at last season, in case people want to play the – like Suliasi wasn't there last season. So George Jennings was believed to have had a pretty big resurgence uh, playing for the Storm. And he did average 54, which is quite good. But the difference is he had a base of 26. He didn't have a base of 18. So that's an extra, so that's, you, that's, an extra you, six, that's, that's an extra six points. So that's which, a, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's him down eight to points. You take the eight points off that average, bang, he's back into the 45 to 47 range, which is exactly where I think Coates is going to be. I think he's going to be a sub 50 average player. He's going to be a bloke that really gets on your nerves and, with all the cheapies that are on offer, there's way better options. And playing for the Melbourne Storm, whoop de do. History shows that that right side is not the prolific side. So I'm not sure why all the hype is around Xavier Coates going to the next level and being some absolute superstar winger. And another point, oh, I'll just make it known, I have the exact same opinion as you here. I've said this since the end of October. Uh, I'm, I'm totally against Coates. People think he's just going to become this base stat merchant, like Bellamy's going to get it out of him. But Adokar, uh, uh, Justin Ollum, uh, Remus Smith, George Jennings, Vinavalu, whoever else you want to put there, bloody um, Dean Aramia. Bellamy doesn't get his backs to do big work. He's got a phenomenal forward pack. Brandon Smith, Harry Grant, Christian Welsh, Nelson Asfa-Solomona, uh, the Bromwich brothers, Felice Cafusi, um Bloody, I could name probably four, th- four or five more. Tuikamika, Kamika, Chris Lewis. Like there is a very, very good forward pack at Melbourne that, that you don't need to get your center wings to do the hard yards. Um, they sit there and polish off a phenomenal attack. I'm very, very glad that someone else is on the anti-coats train with me so I don't feel left alone. I am so, so, so cold on this one and I can't wait for him to average 65 and we both look like complete and utter dickheads. I'll be going into hiding if he averages 65 after 10 rounds. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not making that bet. I mean, I'll take the unders on that one. I'll, I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take the unders on that one as well. Um, mate, you're very keen on Brett Naden when he Not to start he, the season, but in general, yeah, yeah. yes. Once he gets his shot and the Bulldogs draw opens up, I know you've spoken about Brett Naden. Um, high enough, 23 base, 26 attack, 71 minutes at, Mel- at Melbourne. At Panthers, he had spurts of being really good for Supercoach, had a couple of uh, decent scores. I don't know if this is the Bulldogs effect or if we're waiting for them to gel or we're waiting for their draw to open up or whatever. Um, but he's probably someone I could see having eventually, but I'd need to see more from him before I take the plunge. And hopefully he's coming in at 341k. Let's hope we can get him for around 280, 300, and that'd be ideal once the, the Bulldogs draw opens up and they start to gel more as a team. I think he'll be priced somewhere in the three to 400 by about round nine to 10 when that draw opens up. I think from then on, he's going to be a really valuable person to own. His base in reality is closer to 27. Um, he did have some time off the bench. So it says 23 for the season, but it is closer to 27. I think he's at least 10 points undervalued. Uh, if not more, uh, when they go into a good period. that le- He's on that left edge. Uh, we've heard that he's going to be playing left centre, which means he's going to be playing outside Pangai. We know Pangai loves an offload. 
Um, we also know that Matt Burton loves to put people through holes on the left-hand side. And then we also know that uh, the Fox is a fantastic finisher who can also make breaks down the tried line and regularly throw inside to the center who finishes it off and scores tries. Uh, once that draw gets a bit easier, uh, they'll have had eight to 10 weeks together. They'll have played the best teams in the competition. I think it's only onward and upward from that point on. And if the season does play out how we think and, you know, the dogs maybe get a couple of wins early and then go on a really rough run and, you know, maybe lose them all or maybe pull a win here or there. From then on, I really like Naden to be, say, a 55 to 60 average to for the rest of the season, basically, and be a really, really handy buy addition. You make some good points. I just don't know if I can pull the trigger because it's the Bulldogs. But, yeah, he's not someone I'm starting with round one, but he'll be someone that I feel come around 10 or 11, you and I'll be on this podcast being like, you know what? It's time to pull the trigger on Brett Naden. So definitely one to watch. 100%. Definitely one to watch. Um, someone I'll have a close eye on in the trials. I want to see how he goes with base and whatever. And then, yeah, hopefully we pick him up at a similar price or reduced price uh, come round 10, round 11. Now, Stafford Toa with the immediate exit from the Knights to the Tigers, the Knights... Um, have a backlog of back depth, so I don't hate this, but the Tigers also have 400,000 outside backs, so I don't know why we've acquired him. Kind of throws a few plans. It skews a a few things. I mean, I know that AJ Kapoa and Oliver Gildehart were huge preseason popular cheapies. I don't particularly think Stafford Tull will play in the centres, but there's always cause for concern. Um, He's a good depth signing. He won't start over Mamalo or Norfoluma. So does make things a little bit shady. Uh, I don't think it's going to have a, too much of an effect, but you've always got to note these things. Um, I've never been overly excited by Stafford Toa when it comes for Supercoach. He'll have a good game here or there. 340k. That's basically all I've got to say, mate. Look, his PPM over a three-year period is 0.5, which shows that's his work rate. His work rate is average. You know, he's going to pull out 35 to 40 average, which is where he's priced. I just, I don't see the upside there personally. Um, Whether or not he gets a center spot, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. Um, I actually really like Kapoa, uh, who I'll have a chat about later. Um, Yeah, he's he's not on my radar. His move to the Tigers does nothing for me. I think it's a bit of a bum signing. Yeah, I mean, depth signings are always good. I don't really think we'd we'd be paying him a whole lot of money, but... Cool. When I read the news, I had a couple of Tigers fans message me like, how good's this? I'm sure. Whatever. Uh, Rocco Berry, a guy that I was hoping would play fullback last year um, with sort of, not fullback, but just get, get his shot at fullback whenever I was really high on Rocco Berry. And then obviously uh, the Warriors decided to go sign Reese Walsh, who tore it up. Uh, RTS left. Rocco Berry sort of found a home in the centres. Not where I want him to be. I'd prefer him to be wearing the one, but with um, with Walsh there, that's not happening. 36.8 average, 25 base, uh, 13 attack. You'd expect the attack goes up uh, with, a, with a better Warriors side. Average 69 minutes a game. You'd expect him to be playing close to 80. Um, those 69 would have been coming off the bench or injuries, but he's, he'd be an 80-minute player when starting at centre. Uh, price at 322k. No... Uh, not really. If he was two hundred and twenty k, if he, if there was two hundred and twenty k, yeah. But like, I don't. know. I just there's four or five other guys that I've seen on this list below him that I'd much prefer. I don't mind it to be honest. Um, so we will differ a little bit here. I think he's ten to fifteen points undervalued. When I looked through his stats from last year, seven of the eight games that he played were against top eight sides. So it's not like he got to you know pick on the little kids in the playground or anything like that. He had two games um, that were sub 40 minutes, which dragged down his numbers. So his numbers were 25 average base, 13 average attack. So he didn't show much in attack last season, but the Warriors really tailed off at the back end of last season as well. If you look at his numbers uh, from the Q cup, now he only played a handful of games. Um, His tackle efficiency is really good. Um, He made lots of tackles. Um, his run meters were quite good. He averaged about a hundred run meters per game. So he's not afraid of a hit up his average, um, super coach wise. Now this is ballpark and I'll, I've got this, you know, for most of the players to come, his average was about 57 in the Q cup last year and the games played. So that won't necessarily equate to the top level, but they also have a really, really good draw 
And if Sean Johnson stays fit and starts feeding him ball, I don't hate it for 320, to be honest. I really think that, you know, he could push that average up, in my opinion, um, into much better areas, into, say, 50. And I don't – 50 is not even a great average. But if he were to average 50 for the Warriors, there's money there. The problem is Reese Walsh is not your typical ball-playing fullback in the Ryan Pappenhausen and Travojevic mould. Reese Walsh is very much a run-first kind of guy. Uh, I'm not too sure if that was just lack of experience or that's just how he plays, but I'm just going off last year. And they've got a new shiny toy in DWZ. I just see Sean Johnson hitting Walsh, and Walsh is going to do that sort of half little goose step and then try and hit one pass too many on the outside, and it just shuts Rocco Berry out. I feel like we're going to be relying on him to bump his base up to closer to 33, 34 for him to be any kind of relevancy. You've got him 10 to 15 points undervalued, so that's between 46 and 51 points a game. If he if he improves, and that's a big if for Supercoach. He'll improve the footy play, but if he improves for Supercoach, I've probably got it closer to six or eight points a game, which still has him potentially underpriced. If you can get him up around 41, 42 points a game, there's money to be made, but ain't a whole lot of money, unfortunately. I'd much rather save the two grand and take the next bloke on the list in Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, 25 base, 18 attack, uh, 72 minutes a game. I know you've got a fair few stats on Selwyn Cobbo. Yeah, so um, Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, he wasn't a bloke that's on my radar, but since I've heard about him, very huge. he's him. my guy. Yeah, he's my guy over Stags. Um, so pure numbers um, from last season. 25 was the base, um, which is good. Uh, it's not too bad. 18 was his attack, which is way underneath his potential. Um, he played 72 minutes on average and 30% of the time he was over 60. So I think that this could be his breakout season. Um, I'll just try and bring up the numbers that just, the just a, stats man. Just to, give people, um, just to give people a bit of knowledge again, I mentioned Suali's base being 25 and Norfolk's being 26. Uh, Selwyn Coe's was 25 and Norfolk's was 26. So... He's in the North Luma territory for, for base. So, yeah, while Bruce pulling these stats up, I'm very keen on Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, I know there's been a little bit of talk around him, which has got me intrigued. And then, yeah, Brew and I ran the numbers. Thank you to Turkey Snow, which is, I'm pretty sure he is totally addicted to SC on a few socials. Um, and, yeah, the NRL SC stats man who does a great job as well. So, yeah, over 10 games last year in the Q Cup, he had six tries. He had two try assists. He had nine line breaks five line assists, 70 tackle busts. So that's nearly seven tackle busts per game. Uh, 18.43 run metres. So he's running for about 180 metres per game. Uh, 17 dummy half runs. Uh, what is it? Nine missed tackles in 10 games. That's not too bad considering the position he was playing. 11 offloads. So based on that data, uh, Statman says that that's about a 65 average. The problem, uh, the sorry, Q just the, the problem with that is though, that would have been predominantly at fullback, especially with those um, with those line break assist numbers. Um, it was at fullback. He'll be on the wing this year. We would expect. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, we're not saying he's going to average sixty five uh, in the NRL. All we're saying is is that he clearly has talent. He clearly likes an offload. He likes a tackle bust, and we didn't really see any of this last season. So for me, that it's all upwards for him. If the base is there and his base is going to be in that, say, 20 to 20, sorry, 25 to 28 range, and then you throw in a bit of attack, and let's say it's a minimum of, say, 20, 25, all of a sudden you're in really good areas for 320. On top of that, if you're a winger, you've got the increase potentially in tries. You could have games where you get, you know, two or three tries if they are targeting a certain edge. I think he's going to have really good uh, floor um, based on his, you know, base plus power. And then I think he's going to have days out where, you know, the Broncos maybe, you know, get a run on and he gets fed ball from, say, Adam Reynolds, uh, cutting it out to him on the wing. I think sky's the limit. And I, I'm pretty much in on this. So he's not in my side at the moment because I haven't really touched it in the last week, but he's definitely someone I'm penciling in as a guy that I can throw in there for 320 with big upside to potentially be a 500 plus player at some point in the time and then move him on. The problem, the only problem is the Broncos draw, not ideal. South round one, Bulldogs, Cowboys, and the Warriors rounds two, three, and four. Then they have. I the, love that. That's that's good. That's good. Then they have the Roosters and the Panthers, and they have the Bulldogs, Cronulla, South Melbourne. So 
five pretty that part's tricky. Five pretty gross games in ten rounds. Uh, I don't know if we want to hold Selwyn Cobo much more than that. He doesn't play the first buy, um, which isn't ideal, and we're probably not going to hold him over that period. So, doesn't same ha- argument can be said for for Stags and Farnworth though. I just feel I just deeper, feel which Stags means there's more cash building potential. Stags probably has the highest ceiling, and I understand he's more expensive, but I'd still take that. I'm probably going to run both, to be honest. Um, or if I don't run Stags, I'll definitely be on Cobo, um, mate. Billy Smith. So frustrating because last year we were just hoping that he would score 10 points off the bench, come into this season very, very underpriced. But he's been the big loser from the Paul Momorowski signing, the Kevin Naguama signing. You thought with J-Moz and B-Moz both retiring that, that he would get minutes, but he just he can't be trusted. He's not fit enough. He seems to be always injured. I doubt he's even in the 17. The problem is, though, it's so frustrating because he's so good when he starts and and he could be so good if he just got consistent game time, but he's similar to best in the fact that can you put faith in him knowing that you might only get one game out of every month with him and I don't even think he'll start. No, I don't think he'll start. I think he'll he'll play cup. Uh, They might see if they can get him through as many games as they can and then potentially if he's in really good form, then he might start putting pressure on the guys that are in the side. Um, he's a 0.75 PPM player, very small sample size across three seasons. As we said, he seems to get injured every single year. So he's a potentially a 60 plus player, but I just don't know when the time's going to come that we see that uh, he needs to get his body right. He's still a young kids. I just don't know what's going to happen. You know, Momorowski's I think signed for three seasons. Um, so Ali's a young kid. I'm just not sure where his position will be unless the time comes where, say, Tupo goes overseas or retires and then there's a backline shuffle. So I'm not I'm not really sure. Uh, if he starts, 100%, grab him, pick him, just know that there's an injury risk there. Um, but I don't see it happening personally. I don't think he's in the top 17. Hayes Dunster, now that Fergo has left, um, does he start? This is the issue because we've now got Bailey Simonson at the Eels. I think it was done to spot. Now Simonson is there. Cool. Unfortunately for him, it's not really an option I'm looking at. You, Numbers weren't great. You'd think, uh, you'd think 18 base, 18 attack. It, it, it wasn't actually anything overly special. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of growth potential there if he does start. Obviously, he's quite cheap, um, but take. Penasini for cheaper. Yeah, there might be there might out. there might be one center spot available because you'd expect Sevo, Simonson, Penasini, and then like Sevo's out for significant okay. amount of time. I, I think you're fine. I probably should have uh, done my research. So you you would think Simonson and um, what's his name? Uh, Dunster probably Dunster, does. Yeah, yeah, but it's Sevo's wing, obviously. But I, I think you'll find that he's out for a good ten to twelve weeks of the season. Just take Penasini. Just. Just take Penasini. That's all I'll say. Um, we're going to go on a run now of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who are all in my side. So I'm going to be a bit more positive on these guys because they're all in my side. And we will kick off with the weekly edition of Bruce Dive into the English Super League when it comes to Oliver Guildhart Tigers. New recruit, 280k. There's not much of a dive here. Um, it was really hard to get data on him. Um, all I could ascertain was that He's got a piss poor base and he's heavily relying on tries, basically. Nice. He's a try scoring machine, but he has no work rate. Um, so another en- really another say. another English back that's gonna disappoint us. I just sounds he sounds like he's gonna be another heartacre or one of these types that, you know, is is fast and he's nippy, but he just can't keep up with the speed of the Aussie game and, and he's probably gonna get caught out. Do I we, could be wrong. Um but do, do we based p- on the numbers that him? I saw that because he's priced at oh, like look, he's, he's priced like what 32 31 32 he's nearly, yeah he's 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 280k so if he gets a start and you you know not carrying a, a Momorowski or an Aitken or a Toto or a Garrick and therefore have the additional spot then by all means take him he's 280 he's going to make something but he might only make you 100k yeah, Unless he goes on a run of try scoring, he is not. A, he is not a. It's start more likely option. if he was on the wing that he'll get the try scoring spree than it is if he lines up at left center, which I'm thinking he will. As do I, but yeah, he's not a start for me round one, but I'll probably have him. Joe Sawali, you've talked me on to Joe Sawali. I didn't think he would have. A, I didn't think he'd have a 
a spot in this Rooster side. I thought it'd be Naguama and Momorowski, but you're you're thinking it's going to be Suwali and Momorowski. So of that, I've put him in the side. Not a whole lot here to say. Kids, kids a freak. He was owned by nearly half the half the teams last year, despite not really playing many games. The yeah, I think he'll be owned by half the season, like half the comp again. Yeah. His base actually surprised me. I didn't think that he had the work rate, but 25 is not a bad base figure at all. Um, and the interesting thing was that he, he scored one try in his games played. He had bugger all attacking stats. And we all, we've all we all seen the footage of him playing for North Sydney. We know he can bust tackles. We can know he can offload. We know he can you know break the line with ease. We didn't see it. So for me, there's this huge upside there. If he's had a full full preseason training in a position, uh, if he's worked out some combinations with people, if he's more confident and of a larger size that he's happy to take a hit up, I think he could be have really good base and power and be a bloke that will be a very handy person to own, especially playing for the Roosters. I'm super keen on him after running the numbers. He, he did better than I thought he did. Yeah, you've got me keen. You've got everyone keen. 50% of teams, I think, is going to be there or thereabouts. Um, mate, we've said that Ewan Aiken is the most must-have player on this list. Is it fair to say that Will Panasini should be number two when it comes to being must-have? 41.7 average a game, 33 base, which puts him third on this list. Sorry, second on this list behind Ewan Aiken, whose base was skewed playing in the front row. So out of pure centres, he has the highest base. Attack is the second worst. That's That's the worry. Uh, 80 minutes a game, price at 255k, the exact same price as Suwali. I'm all he's, over um, this. He's my breakout candidate of the year, this kid. Yes. Um, he showed work rate, so he showed that he's got an incredible work rate with his base. Um, he had no create evade stats, basically. So very similar to Suwali. Um, you give you give this kid the reins and say, this is your position. That's going to come, and when it comes, we're going to be loving life, and we're going to see his name in caps lock all over Facebook and Twitter. I reckon it's, it's going to be a real good season. He is an absolute must-have. Yeah, I am all aboard the Will Penis in me train. Uh, get around, get, get around, big Will Penisini. Uh, also, get around Talon May. Um, for now, he's if named. If named, his base is twenty-eight, but look at his base power. It is ridiculous. He is. He's a freak. Uh, I want to see him named. I want to see Stains dropped. I want to see May and uh, Tago play. Tago? Yeah, Tago. Tago. Tago, yeah. Uh, I want to see both those kids play. They're both stars. Talon May um, was a really good handcuff for me last year in draft as a Brian Toto owner when he went down. I'd just love to see May and Toto on both wings. That would be devastating. So the numbers that you were mentioning, so his base was 28. That's near elite for a rookie. Uh, his attack was 26. Now it's only one game, but we all know, we all saw it. Uh, the kids, Brian Toto 2.0, um, and at 287 to 255. Sign me up if he gets a start. I, I really hope he does, but I don't think he will um, to start the season uh, over that buy period, but extremely handy addition. Um, he'll definitely get a spot when Toto and whatnot go off to um, Origin Camp. It'll just come down to how uh, cold. Ivan Cleary is on Charlie Staines. I know that Ivan Cleary has come out and said he likes his backs to make big meters to, to give his forwards a bit of a rest. So Rumoured to play centre this year too, Charlie Staines, I heard. I I hate that even more. So, nice. So do I. Um, yeah, I'm really keen on Talon, on Talon May. Um, a lot of people don't know who he is, and a lot of people see Team A in a lot of people's sides and get confused thinking that we've picked Tyrone. Start shaking their fists. Get out of here, you <laughs> bastard. Um, but no, yeah, I'm very keen on, on, on Talon May if he gets a start. I'm also keen, not so much as Talon May, but uh, AJ Kapoa, Asu Kapoa, whatever you want to call him. 205K, numbers are pretty underwhelming needs attack to be relevant but starting at 205k stick him on the bench and just pray that he scores a try or two yeah pretty much uh, i don't think we've seen the best of him he's a lot better player than we've seen uh he's had a a few small runs of say four or five games i think at the start of last season um he didn't show a great deal that there was virtually no attack for him at all 23 base not too bad for a young winger. Uh, I think he just needs the opportunity and he needs the solidity solidity in the position of saying that this is your spot. You've earned it in the preseason. 
and then see how he goes. But at 205k and currently no bottom dollar cheapies, he'll be highly owned. Um, Isaiah Tass, I'm pretty sure this is the kid from South Sydney, 175k. I don't have much to speak of him. Um, I'm pr- have, have you just, I've got plenty to speak of him, actually. Are, are, I these, know are think... these his New South Wales Cup numbers that you've got here in front of me? Yeah, so I'm going to yeah. rattle through his Cup numbers. Um, also watched a little bit of footage. This reminds me of a, um, probably not as powerful, but he reminds me of a young Latrell Mitchell. Um, in He scored nine tries in 15 games. He's also a goal kicker. 74% was his conversion rate. He got six try assists playing on the wing um, for South Logan, uh, 38 tackle busts, so nearly three a game. He's a worker. He's making 12 tackles a game from the wing, um, roughly 45 base plus power um, you're looking at from this kid. So for me, I don't think that the centre positions are locked and loaded for South as you do. Um, I think this this kid's going to put absolute genuine pressure um, for that left Wings, uh, sorry, left centre spot. Uh, I think he's a dead set chance of getting it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see his name on TLT. I've been carrying him um, as my bottom dollar, I suppose, enough in my centres just because I know how good he is. And I'm expecting that if he doesn't start the season, he's going to play this season and he's probably going to win the spot. Yeah, he'll play over Origin. You'd expect Latrell goes out, Taff moves to fullback. Cody's out, uh, maybe Ilias and Taft play in the halves. There could be a fullback spot open. They could drop Jackson Paulo back to fullback. That would open up a spot for Tass. I'm less confident he gets a run round one than you are, but there's obviously a lot, a lot to like there. If he can if he can get it, the conversion stats are irrelevant to me because Latrell will kick. But over Origin, um, Tass might kick. He could get you 55. Who kicks round one? Round, round one. Two. Don't tell me that doesn't go in his favour. Jackson Paulo can goal kick a little bit. Um, I don't know. Can Cody kick? <laughs> have we have we seen have we seen Cody kick? Give it to Mark Nichols. I'll get him in my side round one. Um, and the last <laughs> one on the Go. list, uh, you and I have spoken so highly on on Isaac Tago. Uh, I've said the story. Oh, I've said the story. I've said the story a couple of times. I messaged a Penrith friend of mine last year. I was looking for a dual centre wing nuff and I said who's this Isaac Tago kid and they said don't pick him because he will play and he will ruin your AE chances and I was like okay radio so we went with the the goat Jared Anderson and Isaac Tago yeah burst onto the scene and looked really good only averaged 33 points a game but really passed the eye test yeah but this is this is why again you need to look into things he he might have only averaged 32.8 points a game but he only Average 37 minutes as well. Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. He had 22 he base the, in that he, he period and 15 attack. Um, so, you know, this kid gets a centre spot and he plays 80 minutes and he's pumping out, you know, Penasini type base numbers, adding his attacking flair. In his games uh, in Cup last year, he had 10 tries, four try assists, eight line breaks, 34 tackle busts. Uh, he did that in nine games. So this is a bike that has a huge attacking upside. He's clearly a worker as well. We are going to be absolutely blessed this year. That's why center I find is so hard. And I suppose that's why I wasn't super excited. Uh, last podcast we did because I just, there's so much in terms of mids and cheaps this season that I can't get excited about the high end blokes because we need to make money in this game. And I think there's a shit ton of it just waiting to be had at center. So as much as I normally would carry one or two maybe centres that are, say, anywhere in the four to 600 range, I'm finding it hard to even carry one at the moment because I think there's going to be so many genuine options in the centre that you could potentially stack your side elsewhere by carrying these blokes. And and some of them have immense upside. I'm really excited about Tago and Penasini. Um, I've got I've now, now that I've watched some footage of, of Cobbo, I, I really think he could be anything this season. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Coates and Saab suck this season. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm not I'm not too fast about the 33 average because he did play little, little minutes. Um, mate, if I was to give you my four must-haves, uh, it would be Ewan Aiken. It would be uh, Joe, Sawa- Joe Sawali, Will Panasini, and Isaac Tago. And my two biggest avoids from this list would be Hamiso, Tabuai Fido, and Xavier Coates. Mate, give me your four... Uh, not must-haves, but the four guys that are non-negotiables for you so far, and then giving you two that you're avoiding with all, all the, all uh, the world. Yep. So, Tago uh, and Panasini, one, two. 
uh, Sawali, if named to start three. Um, Got to be Aiken, doesn't it? Four, yeah. Yeah, Aiken's yeah. a must-have we, now we, for me. We had the um, same four, surprisingly. And, and I'm pretty much carrying him. I'm carrying him at second row, but he's available at centre, so and he'll definitely shift down at some point. Can I me. take? Can I take a guess of your two avoids? Wouldn't be Jason Saab and Xavier Coates, would it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So Xavier Coates is a massive red flag for me. Um, just be prepared for, you know, what I said earlier, the Charlie Staines factor. Um, it's going to bite you on the ass. Saab. Mm, well, the numbers with, you know, Turbo are great, but the weeks that he gets you 10 or five points. I think it's going to hurt you more than the weeks that he gets 90 after scoring a hat-trick, to be honest. So, for me, I think he he is an avoid. And since you haven't given me a charity, mate, I'm going to make the executive call. If, beyond Blue. If, uh, beyond Blue. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. So, Hamiso, we're setting the line at 55.1 at the end of round 10. Uh, 55.0 and under. Um, Brew will, will, will donate some cash. And if he goes over 55, then I'll donate 250 bucks to Beyond Blue. Um, yeah, so that's something for us to sweat on. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed the last, what is it? Two hours of center wing podcast over the last two days. There was a lot to talk about this, this with, with center wings. We will delve into these guys uh, even more again with the team preview for everyone asking me, I get this question three or four times a day. Supercoat should be open for you guys that don't have SC gold. Next that week. week, basically next week, yeah, um, as early as yeah, Monday. It'll, be the, it'll be it'll probably be just before the end of next weekend. I'd suggest they normally like to release it either on the weekend or at the end of the week, so people have that long weekend. And that is next weekend, so strap yourself in. We're almost there. My DMs are going to explode. Um, one more quick thing before we leave: when Supercoach opens, I'll be doing something pretty exciting um, for you guys. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. That's where it'll be happening. Um, you don't have to watch the podcast on the YouTube. You can listen to them on Spotify, whatever. But for the plans that I have for the channel, uh, make sure you subscribe because we'll be doing some pretty cool interactive things. Uh, I'm not too sure if Brew can commit because he does have a wife and children. He cannot sit and consume Supercoach all day, but we'll try and get him on when we can. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for all of us. Uh, give yourself a plug, mate. Where can people find you? At BrewSC22. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, under my normal name, Glenn Park Hill, on Facebook, I normally jump on, promote the show, and try and answer as many questions if people comment as I can. You guys know where to find me. You find me enough, and I'm very blessed for that. That's going to wrap it up for today, guys. As always, ciao for now. Ciao for now, guys. Bye.